Hello and welcome to the Big Self Podcast Season 4 and the first time in 2023. I'm your host, Chad Prevost. Hey there, everyone. I'm your host, Shelly Prevost. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And today we're going to talk about a subject that is incredibly important, but the problem with this subject... Well, there's not really a problem, right? It's, it's, it's a great subject. It's maybe one of the best subjects. So I think we should just right. dig in. Right. Okay. So the topic is, wait for it, resilience. Okay. There, I said it. The problem is that it's really like one of those overused words, sort of like an umbrella word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of like loses its punch, right? It just kind of washes over you because I think we hear it. All the time. <laughs> right. And and you don't feel anything. It doesn't seem to mean anything. So let's let's start here. Let's start with something that everyone can relate to and then we can we can dig in from there. Let's do it. Yeah. As we turn the calendar page to a whole new year, it hit us that most of us who try new things, who take a risk now and then, and who don't just hole away and hide from the world or anything it may have to teach, well, people who try things are going to inevitably run up against a wall. Yeah. So like in other words... It's, it's the very type of people that you all listening that want more for themselves, right? So it's those of us that are really kind of pushing things forward. We have this sense of adventure. Um, we know that, that we're the ones, you all are the ones that are going to get knocked down. It's not to say that life hasn't or won't throw hard things at you because it will, right? The more you try, I think the more probability there is that you will get knocked down. Um, so what's, that's what we want to talk about today. So when you're likely to move forward and get knocked down, what do you do with that? Yeah, and we tend to think of resilient people as those who are unaffected by the challenges of life or who take a setback with a smile and laugh in the face of their obstacles. But that is not necessarily resilience. Resilience is the ability to bounce back again and again with every obstacle we face. Yeah. So I really like the term bouncing forward that I learned about a very long time ago. Um, There's a book, Sam Cawthorn, I I believe he is one of the first people that really talked about the idea of bouncing forward, which is closely aligned with post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. Um, He says this, and I really like this, the challenges we face in life are not meant to be some sort of punishment Rather, Mm -hmm. they are an invitation to change, an opportunity to create something even better than before. I really like that. And actually, Michaela Haas has a book on resilience with a similar title that I've been reading called Bouncing Forward, The Art and Science of Cultivating Resilience. And this is an idea she actually credits the novelist Maya Angelou with, who said, that her past traumas led her to bounce forward. 
And I like this concept because when it comes to healing from past or current pain, we, we aren't just hitting the reset button and going back to the way things were. Using the skills related to resilience develop within you growth, a way forward. And the lives we lead after traumas or from struggles transform us. They have the power to profoundly change us. Yeah, it makes me think of um, what I have often thought of as life is a comma. And life is constantly, Mm -hmm. if we're aware, is delivering us ingredients to build our resilience, because life isn't perfect and it's often quite difficult. And so if we're aware of, you know, what, what I think these authors are telling us is that these are opportunities not to just kind of survive what life throws at you, but you can use these ingredients to kind of thrive and, and actually grow through them. And it's, it's like this muscle that we have, we have a a resilience muscle in us that we can grow, excuse me, under any circumstance. Absolutely. Uh, that's great. Great point. And, you know, and I, it it reminds me actually, you know, because resilience, it touches on this concept of calm and the Mm -hmm. ideal of being this emotionally stable, and non-reactive self, uh, recognizing the things that you can control, even with all the things outside of yourself that you can't. And actually, we, you know, we've written extensively about calm and we've led workshops on it, but it can just as easily, as I'm thinking about it, be called resilience. Mm-hmm. It also has to do with your ability to deal with failure and to and to be able to frame to recognize setbacks just for what they are yeah i've i've loved like ever since i've you know found positive psychology back in i think like 2006 um have you know dabbled in reading the research about the army resiliency programs that have come out of positive psychology and it's it's fascinating you know you take this these combat soldiers. Yes. So people in men and women in really high stress situations Mm -hmm. and you study them and you look at like, okay, how are they building resilience despite something that's so potentially stressful and chaotic and traumatic. And so that's, you know, go to the source. Like that's the people that we want to be studying. And it really is, um, fascinating to to really learn how they have built resilience despite these situations. Actually, you know, I I came across a few stats in reading this Michaela Haas's book and 83% of people think they're resilient. Mm. But a study that, you know, did did the research and came back with 57% of us are actually resilient, which it's kind of high to me, but when I, but a lot of people, you know, maybe they're in that functional personality when they're being resilient. Most of us actually, this is another yeah. interesting thing that Haas uh, writes about. We live through about five or six traumatic events in our lifetimes. And one in five Americans have been laid off from their job. Nearly 50% of first marriages end in divorce. Over 19% of adults nationwide have suffered the death of a child. 
And the American Cancer Society estimates that around 1.6 million people will be diagnosed with cancer this year. Yeah, those are sobering. Um, when you first told told me that, I was like, "Wow, <laughs> there's there is a lot to think about around this." Um, you know, life situations that you and I haven't even encountered, and they do happen to all of us, like varying degrees of trauma, whether it's you know big T trauma or little T trauma. That's it is part of the human condition, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea here is that resilience, it's not just about healing from these events, although that is absolutely a part of it, but it's about using the crisis. Yes. Um, and, you know, when I say life is a comma, instead of it's a period at the end of the sentence, story's over, using the trauma as a it's a comma that you continue to write the story. You can continue to launch yourself into a whole new beginning from that. I love that. And and that is, you know, that is a perfect segue to the simple framework that I've been thinking about to that goes into building resilience because pain isn't the only thing that resilience is about, obviously, I guess, right? But it's pain plus reflection equals your progress. So mm-hmm. pain's going to happen one way or another. Yeah. The pain itself does not equal the progress, right? Pain, in fact, sometimes can even create more pain. We know about the, I think it's the second noble truth of Buddhism that the avoidance of suffering creates more suffering. Mm-hmm. We try to avoid it. We distract ourselves from it, numb ourselves to it. Yeah, and who who has done any of the above? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, everyone here is raising their hands. But <laughs> all two of us. <laughs> when uh, when you can first move toward the pain, moving toward the pain, in acceptance of it, recognizing it rather than unconsciously repressing it or or consciously suppressing it, then you can begin to put it together in your self-understanding mm-hmm. and it forms a part of who you are, part of your story, Yeah, but not only who you are or not a part of you that you feel the only response is to cut yourself off from. So I... Um just a quick story. Um, I, you know, I didn't, my, my dissertation was on resilience and and gratitude. And so I studied this stuff and I felt like I kind of knew it. I felt like, okay, I'm, um, I should, I should be pretty good at at being resilient and then went through my burnout and it, you know, uh, I was terrible at it. <laughs> like I couldn't do the reflection. I couldn't make sense of it. Uh-huh. I couldn't. I was so in it, and I think that's part of the the dilemma of what we're talking about. When you're in it, you can't really see your way out of it. Right? Like you do have to kind of move through that pain. Has it only has value if you provide if it provides value. Right? So, How? Yeah. Well, when you're when you're trained yourself. Um, when you're doing this work in life skills that create and generate and develop this ongoing resilience, there's actually skills that you can uh, learn when you are in that reflection stage that can help you bounce forward. So 
let's first let's let's share a few specific ideas about exactly what resilience means and then let's give give you all we're going to give you all some specific tools to make it work in your own life that's right you're going to love these three tools and they're profound tools and it's not just a, a clickbait headline they are profound tools, which if you really listen to and you stick with us on this episode, even just practicing one of these will greatly benefit your life. Yeah. And we use these too. I want to say that these are, we don't just say this stuff. We are actually practicing is with you all. That is absolutely true. So beyond just recovering from setbacks, resilience, it helps us, it helps us to navigate just all All of life challenges. And eventually the idea is that resilience becomes this mindset that enables us to seek Mm -hmm. out new experiences and view life as a work in progress. And that's really what we mean when we talk about the idea of bouncing forward. That helps us. Yeah. It helps us just move from this mere surviving idea to thriving. So now let's get to how, how do you develop resilience and these essential skills? Yeah. And to sum up, the researchers have shown that resilience is basically optimism, self-mastery, control, flexible thinking and the ability to cope with stress when they're when they're doing their research these are the things that they are measuring for optimism self-mastery control flexible thinking and the ability to cope with stress so to that end here are three incredibly powerful tools that you can begin using right away that can lead to again profound results in your life. Yeah, and there are so many tools out there yeah. and we've just distilled it down to the three that we think are um, most valuable and so that you can begin practicing them um, right now. Yeah, we want to go deep rather than shallow and give you a whole bunch. Right. Uh, and, you know, we want you to see how the application of really just any one of these techniques and tools will yield truly amazing results and benefits. So here is number one, which I have creatively titled... The Grateful Living. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, well, and tell thank us you. why. Yeah, well, it's uh, basically it's because of this. One of the single most effective and perhaps well-researched practices for your well-being is gratitude. But why the Grateful Living? Oh, okay. Well, because... Yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of the Grateful Dead, right? <laughs> when, when, it, when it's the Grateful, when when you're dead, it's too late. <laughs> and right. so this you're is, done. yeah. It's over. So we've advocated for it really, you know, here with Big Self, the uh, gratitude practice. Uh, we did a 30-day November challenge around it in, the, uh, in 2020. Uh, but we've uh, also, during that time, had our own personal experiences with it. And this this practice has the potential to transform your life in and of itself when truly practiced. And it, to me, although there's all this empirical research and all these wonderful things that we're able to measure, but I'm grateful for those things, but it's actually very akin 
to any spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And so this tool is great for many reasons, but in practical application, let's start with, here's your cue. Anytime you feel negative thoughts creeping in, and that may be a lot of times, Mm -hmm. but think of that as your cue. Tune in a little more awareness around your thoughts. And when you're turning negative, this is your opportunity to use this tool. So this tool is also great because for one thing, your positive thoughts do not outweigh your negative thoughts. And I don't know why this is true. Okay, but take... I. Survival. It, that's good. That's actually good. Yeah, it's uh, an evolu- probably an evolutionary thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it it is the case. It seems to certainly be the case. So what we need is a specific way to have an antidote for that evolutionary behavior, a specific way to tune in to a different set of possibilities and create the conditions in the future that we really want and not the ones we're generating by our perception of reality. So there's a lot of ways to do this. Some say write down three things you're grateful for in a journal, and that's a great way, and that's a start if you have a habit of writing and documenting like that. But it's that is not actually necessary. We're not just going to say, you got to now get out your journals, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't do that, don't worry. To simplify the grateful living is just pick out things in your life that you can be grateful for, particularly things you'd normally take for granted and say them to yourself. This is where the the energy, you have to use a little bit of energy. You'll get it back. But at first, there's going to be a tiny bit of a struggle. So you say, say them to yourself silently and slowly enough to feel the value of each one. It could be that start, you can start, you can start off with very broad ones. Like I'm grateful for my health, or it could be something as like, you feel as fundamental as I'm grateful. I have electricity. You should do this until you've, I'm going to say, I think it's more effective when you mention at least five items mm-hmm. and this should take even like, here's the thing. You don't have to sit down and write this. You can think them. It might take less than 30 seconds. It does not. Don't don't use those one of those enemies of your learning and say that you don't have time for this. You do have time for this. It does take a little effort. It takes a little energy. You can be aware of the slight strain of your effort to think of these items But like all these tools, the small amount of time and energy it requires to make to make this stuff up is going to give back to you so much energy. It fills you up rather than take anything away. It gives back many times over what you put in. So here's the real practice. It's doing this throughout the day. You open your day with gratitude. You can take, and here's other, you can take opportunities at each meal. You can close your day with gratitude. And that's how it can kind of become the spiritual practice each time. But here's here's the, I think the real challenge each time come up with different things. And actually here, you don't, 
that's not an absolute rule. Like if you're really struggling with something that's making you angry over and over again, you can continue to remind yourself of different lenses through which you can actually be grateful for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it does take digging. That's the part that takes digging. And then that's the part that feels rewarding. And, you know, you, you will begin to feel this reevaluation of almost everything when you earnestly practice it. So as this, this energy that you will begin to tap into, it emanates from your heart, your heart organ and your chest, you'll feel it soften and open. And in this state, you'll feel yourself approaching. If you're really concentrating, you will feel an overwhelming presence filled with this power of it's the source, whatever you want to call it. You can, you can call it God, but it's a power of infinite giving and it's there whether you believe in God or not. Mm-hmm. And this is this is part of the spiritual experience and the benefit of this practice. But the benefits, oh man, I want everyone to know the, they are so many. The grateful living practice, it'll free you from self-hatred. It'll free you from regrets about the past. It frees you from being judgmental to others. It taps you into authentic optimism and, and by the way, there's often with this practice, you'll, we get a couple of frequently asked questions. Uh, and one is, well, is this, do, will I just start, it's, is it like seeing the world through rose colored glasses? And I appreciate that resistance or that, that kind of thought that comes up. It is not. The personality patterns that see the world through rose-colored glasses are all to themselves. The vast majority of people, it does would not have that effect on you. And the other is, does it end up like robbing you of ambition or desire to improve the conditions of your life because you're trying to be grateful for what you have? And no, that is not the case either. It is a re a reframing shifts your perspective yeah, and, and changes how you see things. And um, all of that was really good, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's not either or, right? It's it's both and. You can have ambition and be grateful for what is happening in the present moment. Um, and I, w- I want to say one thing about gratitude that I've learned about is it does have this upward spiral effect Mm -hmm. is what we call it, um, where you have to put in your reps at the beginning and kind of really build the muscle. Yes. And then what happens is it, it does begin to kind of, um, become a disposition of gratitude. Like it's Mm. not, it's not effort. It becomes this kind of thing that you, you shift your energy changes, your vibration is higher you know, whatever you want to call it, I think it, and then you begin looking for things to be grateful for. Yeah. Um, and that does, you know, something in addition to, I mean, it levels you up. And so I think there's something really, um, it might be effort at first, and then through that effort, you really do kind of change your whole disposition around it. And I guess I'll just say one more quick thing about it. I, I almost dismissed the idea of journaling, and I don't want it to seem like that, but I just want to say that you do not have to journal. But here is one effect. If you do journal, uh, you can do it quickly. It doesn't have to take much time, and you could literally do it just to be tracking your thoughts. And then you can kind of, at first, as Shelley's mentioning, when you 
kind of lose focus or you lose track as you're beginning to practice. You can't, the, the daily coming to the journal is like this, like, okay, all right. So I, I've been wavering a little bit and now I know that I'm coming back every day. This is my intention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so all of this is practice. And Shelly, this reminds me of the people who they got lost on their way to Carnegie Hall. They're all in this big rush and they couldn't find a cab and the show was going to start in just a few minutes and they're rushing around and they stop a rabbi and they ask him, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, he said and walked on. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> That's is. what that reminds it me of. It is a practice, yes. Well, let's talk about our second um, practice that yes. we would like to offer you all. And that is loving kindness meditation. And this tool is always great. I love this one. Um, I think the world needs to use this a whole lot more. I've, sa- I've started using it a lot more as well. So this, it's a truth. So loving kindness meditation, this is, this is, um, a practice that many spiritual traditions use. Um, it's been put forth by many spiritual teachers from Buddha to Jesus, but the idea of, um, wishing happiness and true love for everyone, including, and in particular, probably those that we're upset with, uh, or even maybe feel hatred toward, it seems really hard. It really does. If not untenable. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do that? So I, I do believe it's a spiritual tool and a practice that offers you access to unbelievable sources of positive energy. It is, it does. Uh, and we want to make it really practical for you too in application. So we have this tool um, that we want to share with you all. So we have really been enamored by Phil Stutz. If you all haven't seen the Jonah Hill documentary with his therapist, Phil Stutz, you should watch it. It's on Netflix. Uh, I think it's just called Stutz. Um, he talks about, he has a little bit of a twist on the loving kindness meditation. Um, and he gives three steps. And this is how we wanted to share it with you all. And as I, as I walk through this with you, um, if you're not driving, I would say close your eyes. Um, if you were a client sitting in front of us, we would probably have you go through this practice with your eyes closed. Make but sure you're parked. If you're driving, don't do that. Um, so here's, here's, here's how, here's how you do it. Step one. Well, even actually just, and for like the cue for the grateful living is when you're noticing negative thoughts, perhaps yeah, the yeah. cue for this is actually to make it really just crystal clear for when you could use this tool. It's when you feel angry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the cue is, is what I've been using it for lately is anger at another person. Um, I've been using this on a, I guess I can say this on a former president <laughs> yeah? and, and it kind of works. Okay. Like I imagine uh, I am much more willing to give loving kindness to someone I don't respect or like when I think about them at like five years old, Yeah, you know, there's that's something a, really, really, um, very simple, you know, to walk through this practice with someone and you think about them when they're that little. Um, but yes, when you're feeling angry is a good cue that this could be helpful. So the step one is just concentration. And so if you are closing your eyes, 
you would imagine that you're surrounded by a warm liquid light that is infinitely loving. And so this energy kind of takes over your whole being. It's all around you, almost like warm liquid that you're kind of swimming around in. And then the second step is what we call transmission. And so you would feel your heart expand, like really feel it grow far beyond you to become one with this kind of warm liquid light that's all around you with that energy. And as you bring your heart back into a normal size, this infinite energy, it concentrates itself inside your chest, inside your heart. It's unstoppably loving and it wants to give itself away. And then the third step is penetration. So you focus on the person who's triggered you. Who are you angry at? Who are you hateful toward? And if they're not physically in front of you, because usually they're not, then visualize their presence. And then what you do is send all that love that's in your chest directly to them. And this is all done visually. So you, you send that to them. You hold nothing back. All that love goes into them. And it's like completely expelling a deep breath. You follow that love as it leaves your chest. And then it enters the other person's solar plexus. And you don't just watch it, you feel it. Like you literally feel that heart energy go into the other person. And this will give you a sense that you are connected. There is no separation. Their behaviors might be angering you. What they stand for might be abhorrent to you. But in that moment, you can send them love. And then you relax and you feel yourself, again, you surrounded by infinite love, which will return to you all the energy you just gave away. And then you feel filled up and at peace, and then you can move on. And I think it's that simple. Um, The loving kindness meditation that I learned um, from Sharon Salzberg has some mantras that go with that. And so as you're doing this practice, these mantras might be really powerful to assist you in this. And here's what she's, or the loving kindness meditation mantras are. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. May I be well. May I live with ease. May I find deep joy. May I be free from pain. May I be free from harm and may I be free from suffering. And then what you do is you switch that to the person that is in front of you that you are sending loving light to. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be well. May you live with ease. May you find deep joy. May you be free from pain. May you be free from harm and may you be free from suffering. So this incredible exercise, you know, really the power of it happens when you're in that final step. Um, And I would even say saying the mantras out loud, I think it can uh, almost like amplify because it brings so much more emotion to it. And when you truly give give your love, that source of love to the other person that you're visualizing, you do, you feel this sense of acceptance, 
and that it's all okay <laughs> that I've been, you know, we get wrapped up in our heads and our emotions and our reactions and it really is all okay. And this brings you out of your, your kind of looping ruminations um, and just grounds you in what really is true. And to back this up with a little bit of, of data for, for those looking for it, we've got a couple of sources for you on this as well. Barbara Fredrickson and her colleagues show that practicing seven weeks of this kind of loving kindness meditation, it increases your love, joy, contentment, your gratitude, pride, hope, interest, amusement, and awe. And uh, David Kearney at the Seattle Institute for Biomedical and Clinical Research launched a 12-week loving-kindness meditation course for veterans who suffered from PTSD. And the study showed that their symptoms and their depression all decreased Mm -hmm. during the study. So this this is similar to mindfulness meditation, um, but it also has its added benefit of increasing empathy and your ability to really be there, be present for other people. So um, you can certainly widen the circle of people that you meditate on. Um, let's begin with this process for you by by honestly starting with what's in it for you. You know, I think that's probably a, um, it is about other people, but it's also like, what is in it for me? When you're angry with someone, it's probably the last thing you want to do, right? Is to um, give them this sincere form of love. The exercise will benefit you though, far more than the person you're giving the love to. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely true. That's the secret. Yeah. And if you're wondering, like if you're giving enough love to the person in question, just think about it in reverse. How much love would you like to be sent to you? I find that when I do it that way, especially at first or when I'm struggling, it it opens up the channel even more. That yeah. is, that, so those two, if you really are listening and any, either one of these is is connecting, I'm, I, tell, I guarantee you. And research backs us up on this. Number three is the idea, we're just going to call it quality connection. Okay, so this is the tool number three. We've all had uh, collective alone time from the pandemic. We hear it literally about every day from from clients and other other people interested in our services and programs. And you know, and we also just in, in our regular life, some people you're hearing they just kind of want to go back to the new normal, kind of pretend nothing really happened. And a whole lot of people are like, uh, no, there is no return whether you want to or not. And we're doing some serious reexamining. And, you know, in many, in many respects, this experience, it, it just upset the apple cart for plans and especially though for social connections. And so connecting with others is this integral part of the healing and growth process. And ideally, we're able to connect with people we trust and understand. And it used to be back in the day when you had to go to school and see friends all the time, see peers. It wasn't as hard. But it really is essential to find at least one or two people who are the kind of people you can call up in the middle of the night in an emergency. That kind of friend. So here are the questions to ask for you to kind of take, this is right now the tool is just to do this. Just do a little personal inventory. Ask yourself, who are the people in my life 
I feel truly connected with? Who are the people who would refer to me as someone they feel truly connected to? And how would I describe the quality of my connection with others? Here's where you have to get honest. Can the quality of the connection be improved? And if so, be specific. How? And then finally ask yourself, how can you connect with others in a meaningful way if you discern that this is something that you need? Social support is one of the most important buffers before, during, and after a crisis. And that's what we're talking about today is resilience. It is widely established that people with social support, they live significantly longer. They feel less pain in painful circumstances. And they are more likely to experience what Michaela Haas calls post-traumatic growth. And in fact, I think you'll find this pretty incredible. Studies have shown that a lack of social support is a greater detriment to your health than obesity, smoking, and high blood pressure. I want to interject here because I think this is important. Um, One, I want to share with you all a book that just came out based on a very uh, long study, The Good Life by doctors Robert Waldinger and Mark Schultz. And I've been seeing them do a lot of promotion around this book. Um, It's the longest scientific study of happiness. And so they found, they really boiled it down to quality of relationships. And so part of what I've seen come from this, if you have two people within five miles that you can get to and you spend quality time with, that is a buffer for so much of the, um, you know, the suffering that happens in our lives. And so if you were to boil it down, it, it really is that simple. It's just the quality of relationships. And I look back in my own life, the times when I was most stressful, the time or the times that I was most isolated. And so I don't, I don't know that that's a coincidence. And I think the more isolated we are, the more exacerbated our kind of symptoms become. It's like we hide when in fact the thing we need the most is more social support. And so I, yeah, that's great. And uh, I'll put that in the show notes, the good life. It actually just came out on January 10th of 2023. I'm going to, while we're talking about great books uh, on this subject and about that specific to social quality connections, also Brooks and Goldstein's the power of resilience. We'll put that in the show notes as well. No affiliate links, just trying to help you be able to access some of the, the, the tools and the resources that we are coming across. Yeah. So we, Chad and I both have intentionally used these tools, like I was saying at one time or another, uh, and they are among just some of the tools that we use with ourselves and with clients. They are a great practice to keep alive all the time. Yes. Um, but sometimes, you know, you to get going, you need a coach, you need that accountability, Uh, and that relationship to stir you out of your routines and get you moving in the right direction. Yeah, sometimes people get discouraged when they start to realize you really don't stop practicing even once you feel better. You're just starting. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. And, or sometimes, you know, you do it for a while and you start to feel better. And that's, and, but it's certainly, I will say it's been a lifelong practice uh, for myself as an Enneagram four, I've had to really check myself at the door of my moods and emotions. And in fact, stability is the disposition I'm intentionally working on this very year. Uh, Cause it's like, um, I'll start feeling great. And I'm, you know, I'm just feeling, feeling great, uh, you know, unconsciously even as part of like the mood swings of the, uh, even if they're, they're positive for the four. And I feel like it's this permission to go have a great time. Let's stay up late. Let's rock. And, and the intensity of that good feeling those good feeling emotions will start taking me out of balance. And then the next day I might feel low and have lower energy levels. So as I'm tracking my morning routines and I'm my, you know, working out and my eating and I'm doing my grateful living practice throughout the day, I am feeling really good and balanced right now. And that's exactly where I need to be. And that's, that's where I need to stay. That's my work right now. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's really good and good insight. Um, and we want to know what's going well for you right now and what's not. You know, where where are you all now and where would you like to be? Yeah. And, you know, want to review the three big practices once more, Shelley? Yes. Let's do it. The Grateful Living Process, we'll just call it that, is a powerful approach uh, to gratitude and it's backed by mountains of research. The second one we simply called loving kindness meditation because that's what it's called. Um, here it's about the three steps of concentration, transmission, and penetration of that you know loving energy toward to another person. Uh, practice it again and again until the concentration becomes natural for you, and you can do it any time of the day. And that's how you put your reps in and you build that that skill set. And finally, quality connection uh, is a brief inventory. A few questions we pose to you, you can do with yourself, honestly, to assess just where you're at with all of your social connections and how much effort you need to be putting into developing new ones or nurturing the old ones. So that is our take for you to keep developing these resilient skills here in the new year. Yeah. And we're going to leave you with this, our little benediction to wish you well until next time. May you always be blessed with walls for the winds, a roof for the rain, tea beside the fire, laughter to cheer you, those you love near you, and all that your heart might desire. We'll see you next time. Bye.